You're listening to the It's Her Time podcast with Jess and Cody. A couple weeks ago, we had a special guest that came on, talked all about PCOS. And if you didn't listen to that episode, you're going to want to go and listen to our guest, Jason Hone. He went into all of the depths of like, what is PCOS? How do we diagnose it? What tests do we need to take? And all of that. And as well as like what treatment plans we should expect. I wanted to also then bring on another fellow uh, nutritionist, somebody that's in the nutrition world to talk to us, because I think it's a really important thing for you to not only just hear from me, there's lots of us out there and we all have different approaches and different ways of going about things, treating different um, conditions and symptoms with nutrition. I have Felice Romayo as our guest today. She is the lead dietitian at Alara, and she's a registered dietitian who, sp- who specializes in the principles of intuitive eating, which I love, but also on the role of diet in helping women manage and treat their PCOS symptoms. She completed her BS of nutrition at Syrac- Syracuse University and went on to complete her MS of clinical nutrition and dietetic internship at the University of Buffalo. During her time at UB, she completed her thesis on nutrition and counseling approaches for polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. And that's, you know, so important. That's why she's on today. She now practices nutrition from the intersection of one's dietary patterns, lifestyle, mental well-being, and relationship with their body and movement, and then integrates principles of intuitive eating. And she has a system that's called Health at Every Size, H-A-E-S. She is a wealth of knowledge. She and I go back and forth talking about different ways that we both approach things. She definitely, a dietitian has a different approach than a nutritionist approach, just so you know. So there are some things that she recommends. Um, that I think will be very helpful for many of you, but they might sound different than than some of the things that I usually recommend, but I do think that there's value in that. So I'm very excited for you girls to kind of understand now, not just what PCOS is, but also what we can do from a holistic side through nutrition, through lifestyle, through all of those things in order to then treat a lot of the symptoms that come on with PCOS. So, but before we do that, we wanted to um, talk about some good things that just kind of made our day. So let's talk about things that Mixers girls say. Yeah, this one is so fun because we are going to go through um, our question box where we had women submit nice things that others have done for them on a whim. Love it. Yes. I love random acts of kindness. Yes. Brightens our day. One girl wrote, her name's Ashley. She said that her friends went and set up and completely decorated my son's nursery while he was in the NICU. Um, I hadn't gotten to any of it before I went into labor. That's so... I mean... I mean, coming that's home, huge, that actually. is huge. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. Now, that's, that's not thoughtful. just a random little act. That's like a, mm-hmm. that's a big, awesome thing. Way to go, friends. Yeah, good job. Um, a stranger left me a note that read, smile, you're beautiful, in oh, my grocery cart. Cute. Amber, are you sure that they weren't hitting on you? That's, <laughs> <laughs> there no, may have been so some nice. ulterior motives yeah. there. But <laughs> no, we love that. Um, I was going through some really hard family stuff and my friend came over and cleaned my whole room and folded all my laundry, made my day. You know what? Isn't it interesting when you're going through, whether it's like something hard or you're just really stressed or you just have kind of been in a bummer mood, like how hard daily tasks can seem. Right. Like yeah. That laundry your la- pile like Just looking at it. that pile of laundry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it does. Literally piles up. <laughs> yep. So it's 
so nice when you can find a way to just, it doesn't have to be like a huge act of kindness, but like just kind of eliminating someone's like to-do list. Yeah. And I think that's helpful for all of us because I know when we are a friend or family of people that are going through tough times, we always say, let us know if there's anything we can do for you. But it's really hard when you're that person going through stuff to be like, can you fold my laundry? Like they're not going to ask us to do that. But if we can think of like, what are just some everyday to-dos that you know, that are feeling really hard right now. Yeah, I could go do that, do some dishes, laundry, whatever. It yep. makes a huge difference, means a lot. Yeah, this one's really cute. Um, I posted some art um, that I loved on Instagram from an Instagram account I follow. My cousins saw that I loved it. They bought it for me and sent it to me. How sweet. That's so nice. That is so nice. I feel like art, that's really special too because it's kind of one of those things I'm not really good at buying for myself. Mm. Like I can see something that I really love that's really beautiful, but I'm like, oh, I'll wait and I'll ask to be gifted that like for Mother's Day mm-hmm. or something. So I'm, I think that's so nice that her cousins like saw that and wanted to send yeah. her just such a nice well, and little art gift. art is so personal too. Yeah. So, but to see that they knew that exactly what it is that she wanted, that's yeah. really fun. Yep. Um, last one, I took myself to Red Robin on Valentine's Day after a really bad breakup. Oh, that's so when I asked for the check, the waiter said that the two guys in the booth next to me had paid for it already. Aww. They had already left, so I never got to thank them, but I absolutely just went to my car and cried. I was so grateful. There's something about like holidays mm-hmm. that just can be so either so memorable and fun mm-hmm. or so hard and lonely. It's extreme on the emotions, I feel yes. like. Yes. Yeah, so I'm so happy so, that yeah. those nice guys kind of, they probably saw her alone in a booth on Valentine's Day and are like, something's not right here. Let's treat her to her meal. That's so, so sweet. thoughtful. Good job, and guys. And you never know, like, yeah. I feel like you never know, even just in passing with someone, like waiting in the checkout line at the grocery store, mm-hmm. you never know how mm-hmm. awful someone's day is going. So how easy it is it to just be like, hey, how's it going? And genuinely strike up a little conversation that's Mm -hmm. maybe three minutes in the checkout line, but either it can be something so meaningful for you. I feel like that is often the case. Yes. You're like, oh my gosh, my day's not so bad. Like that was such a positive Mm -hmm. interaction. But then also you never know what someone else is going through. No, it's so true. And I just feel like we just, sometimes we, I think we hold back because we're embarrassed or we don't know how the other person's going to react. I think we got to get past that. Mm-hmm. I know my mom, she's so cute. She has done this for years and I grew up watching her do this, but she has a goal every day to do two random acts of kindness every single day. And every once in a while I'll be with her and she'll be like, random act of kindness one. And then she'll like do something else. And sometimes it's just like, um, not flipping somebody off who's being a, you know, total mm-hmm. lame driver, you know, yeah. random act of kindness yeah. one, you know, or it's, <laughs> she'll do things like that where she's like in a drive through and she'll like pay, you know, That's somebody's, so you know, cute. so I just, I love that. That's been a great example for me. And it made me kind of go, yeah, you know what? It doesn't have to be hard. Nobody's ever going to be mad mm-hmm. that you did something kind for them. Mm-hmm. It just brightens your day. Hopefully brightens their day. Yep. Well, thanks for listening to our Mixers Girls Say. Let's pop into the episode. Mixers is a company made for women by women. Each of our products have been carefully and lovingly crafted to support you in all stages of your life, providing you with the optimal health you deserve. Each ingredient we handpick is 100% all natural, 
backed by science and chosen specifically to better your life physically, mentally, and hormonally. Each product empowers your body to take charge of its monthly hormonal shift and flows, empowering you to live life to the fullest. Let mixers take care of your needs from sunup to sundown, and you take care of the rest. Check us out at mixers.com, M-I-X-H-E-R-S. All right, let's get into this episode today. As I said, I'm so excited that we get to have a special guest on today, Felice Romayo. She is a dietitian that specializes in helping women with PCOS. Felice, say hi to everybody. Hello. (laughs) Now, where are you from? Where do you practice? Yeah, I'm located in Rochester, New York. So it's like upstate, western New York, but um, being in telehealth, I practice all over the country in many, many states. Oh, that's so good to know because we have an audience that covers our entire country and outside of the country as well. And people are always asking who it is that we recommend and refer. So we'll be sure to make sure <laughs> we let everybody know how to get in touch with you in our show notes for sure. So Great. I was talking with Felice. Um, as you know, girls, um, if you listened to the episode a couple of weeks ago, we had Jason Hone, who's a nurse practitioner that came in, taught us all about PCOS, how to diagnose it, what it is, um, what tests to do, all of that. But whenever I do any kind of informational podcast episode like that, I always love to also provide you with some action steps, things that you can do in your own life, um, whether it's with nutrition, whether it's with lifestyle, whether it's with all of these things. And as usual, I've talked about how in my practice, many times I worked um, hand in hand with other doctors and doctors would tell you what it is that you're, you have, and then they would send them off to me. And I'm sure this is the same with you, Felice. And then we would help you know how to you know, do the things that you need to do in order to manage um, the syndrome or the disease or the symptoms and things like that. So specifically, we're talking about PCOS. So yes, Felice, tell me a little bit about um, how you got into this, why you're so passionate about helping women with PCOS. Yeah, I got into PCOS um, after receiving the diagnosis myself. Um, And it was kind of like this critical time in my life where I was, um, I had just gotten engaged. So of course I was worrying about the fertility things, but from what I could immediately ascertain, I knew that there were um, these really, you know, deep roots in other aspects of our health and our metabolism and our disease risk. Um, So I was just starting graduate school at that point, getting my master's in clinical nutrition and you know, kind of took this new diagnosis and ran with it and um, really learned about it and researched it through my thesis that I was doing at the time, my graduate thesis. Um, And then ever since then, I've always been involved in PCOS work and then um, eventually came to work with Alara, uh, which is a collaborative care platform for PCOS. And that's where I'm lead dietitian now. (laughs) <laughs> Look at you. I know that's so awesome. And and the ability to be able to help so many women. I just think that's exciting that we now can do that. You know, we can help women all over the world. You know, we don't always have to live in the same town and all of that. And there is so much need. There's so much support that's needed for women that have been diagnosed with PCOS. On this podcast, we've also talked about how there are different types of PCOS. And so mm-hmm. there's not just a one size fits all um, you know, approach. It depends on what type of PCOS you have. And, you know, and whatever that may be, 
the approach to how you handle lifestyle and nutrition and all of that is going to be a little bit different. So I would love it if you kind of shared, you know, all of the things that you have found, the things that you love to teach, something that maybe our audience has not really heard before. Yeah. So, I mean, going back to the sort of like typing of PCOS, I think it's so important to recognize that PCOS is a syndrome, meaning it's a collection of symptoms and it's dynamic and it changes throughout our lives. And there's going to be times where, you know, I don't like to use the word cured, but where it seems like it's cured, where in a sense our PCOS is in remission. Um, And it seems like all those lifestyle changes worked, or maybe it's just luck too. Sometimes (laughs) that has (laughs) a bit to play into it. Um, but it definitely evolves and it changes throughout our lifespan. And I think it's so important to understand how to listen to your body and how to understand how those different, you know, like causes or contributors to your PCOS may feel for you. And, you know, that of course bleeds into medical treatment, but also like how we're feeding ourselves, how we're mm-hmm. moving our bodies, um, what our sleep schedules might look like. And you know, using that information to give ourselves A, some grace. <laughs> right. And, and B, to be able to make really realistic and appropriate changes um, based on what we know about science and what we know listening to our bodies. Yes, I agree so wholeheartedly. Heartedly. Um, it's so important for us to use both. I feel like too many times as women, you know, we've just been over, I don't know, the decades kind of been dismissed to like and been taught to kind of ignore our own like um, intuition in a way. And so we've just kind of turned all of our power over to the medical industry. And it doesn't mean that the medical industry isn't amazing and that we shouldn't take advantage of everything that we know, the science, all of that. But I also love to empower women to trust their instincts and to pay attention to their symptoms and listen to their body, learn the language of their body so that they can then be their best own, you know, their own best health advocate. So, so yeah, so you did talk about how, you know, lifestyle and diet is major contributors, you know, to PCOS, the cause, or, you know, even the symptoms. And so tell me, do you believe that there um, is like a, a perfect diet that's out there that is for all women that have PCOS? (laughs) There is definitely not a one-size-fits-all diet. I mean, generally, I start in just about the same place with all of my patients. You know, Mm -hmm. we're working on trying to get the individual to eat frequently enough and to just eat enough in general Mm -hmm. and follow this general balance of food groups and macronutrients and all of those sorts of things. But once we start implementing those changes and actually seeing how they affect the individual, that's where it branches off into a billion different directions. And this can be the frustrating thing with nutrition where it's not immediate results. Even if you're doing everything quote unquote perfectly in line with what your body wants and needs, it isn't going to be this like instant, you know, in a day or in a week seeing changes. It takes time, it takes practice. And again, it takes listening to your body and troubleshooting a lot. So true. It's so true. It's patience is hard, right? It's really hard, especially when you're not feeling well. And we live in this like quick fix society Mm -hmm. or do we just really are looking for that um, bit of relief and we wish it could happen really quickly. But it's the things that we do day to day that really contribute to how we are feeling and how we manage our symptoms and all of that. So yeah. So tell me some of the things I know for me, when I first work with somebody with PCOS, we, we try to figure out what's the driving force, what's the main, you know, cause or what is, 
is the type, I should say, of PCOS. Most of the time it's um, insulin, you know, resistance. And so I can see like what you're saying with the timing of our meals, the, you know, the balance of our macronutrients, all of these things. That is something so important, but that's good for everybody, right? It's kind of like this little bit of a um, kind of cascading like pyramid in a way. It's like if we can start there by managing your insulin, you can then, you know, help even if you've got other types of um, PCOS, that's a good place to start. Absolutely. And I think also, you know, going into that a little bit more, there's, um, you know, there's so many different types of PCOS and there's so many different experiences, symptoms, all of those things. But all in all, I mean, we know it's driven by inflammation, right. whether it's from insulin resistance or it's from like um, stress in our life or not enough sleep or not enough movement. All of those create inflammation, some sort of like stress in the body in one way or the other. And it's it's very similar to like the average person that does not have this condition. People with PCOS are just a little bit more sensitive. So it's all of the same things that we've been telling people for years yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of what, you know, what makes up a healthy lifestyle. It's just that those with PCOS are probably going to be a little bit more sensitive to each of those aspects and each of those changes as we're making them. Yeah. So, you know, so it's important for these girls that have PCOS to implement all of these, you know, nutritional strategies and lifestyle strategies. And like you said, they're a little more sensitive. So it's almost like they have to be very committed to mm -hmm. it. But I know for um, a lot of the girls that I've worked with, um, they are so willing to be committed and they will be Absolutely. like, they will go all in because they just want to feel good. And so it's, it's really great. But then after a while, it's really hard because mm -hmm. it is kind of, a strict lifestyle. If you're just constantly thinking about like every little bite that you're putting into your body, everything that you're doing, because your body responds so sensitively, like you said, um, and it kind of is hard and they, it's discouraging. So it has this kind of emotional effect mm -hmm. on you as well. So I would love you to talk about kind of what oh. you do with your clients. Yeah. That helps them with not only to be able to manage whatever their diet is, but also then how do you deal with the emotional side of it as well? Absolutely. So I'll start with like sort of the emotional side. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the first things we need to consider in health is mental health because it affects everything else. It affects how we eat. It affects our life, our, our choices and all of those things. And so sort of the first thing is breaking free of the all or nothing sort of perfectionistic black and white mentality because any little thing could set you off your path. That doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It doesn't mean that you're not, you know, a worthy, good person. It's just that there's no way to be perfect, especially right. with PCOS. And even myself, there's times where, you know, your sleep schedule gets me me messed up and then it's this yeah. cascade effect into everything else. So definitely one of the first things we focus on is starting to break through, break free from and work through um, that all or nothing uh, mindset and ease into mindful or intuitive eating. And then along with that, um, the other first change that I love to make with people is uh, working up into eating more small frequent meals. So increasing their eating frequency. Um, for some people, let's say that they're the type of person that skips breakfast, might even skip lunch, um, and then just has dinner, maybe another snack here or there, but really just one big meal. I start with like, okay, let's add another snack 
Or mm-hmm. let's add lunch, just one thing at a time to make it super achievable, super realistic, and very long lasting. Mm-hmm. You know, just focusing on one small change at a time. And, and then, tell us, sorry to interrupt that, but tell us yeah. why that is, because I know I have people listening that are like, okay, why? Because I hear people telling me all kinds of different mm-hmm. things I should be doing, you know? So it's, there's so much information out there, but I want you, Felice, to just explain why it would be important for women to have frequent smaller meals throughout the day. Yes. So especially in women, on average, we see that intermittent fasting does not seem to work. Um, and with those, for those with PCOS, we see that it works even less, even worse. Um, And the reason for this is a couple of things. One, if we're having just one large meal um, or just kind of a small window of eating a few hours, our blood sugar levels can drop lower than ideal and we can generally just feel like low energy, all of those symptoms of you know low blood sugar. And then all of a sudden, there's this dump of nutrients and carbohydrates into the system, causes a blood sugar spike, causes an insulin spike as a result, which is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just creates sort of like this roller coaster of insulin and blood sugar. And that, of course, bleeds into how we feel and our energy levels um, and also our digestion. Our digestive system is not meant to be like not used all day. And then one huge meal, um, really, ideally, our stomach and our intestines have small frequent meals and push things through steadily throughout the day. And, um, it can, you know, lead to honestly like IBS, sort of constipation, bloating, those sorts of things. If we're not using our digestive system all day, and then all of a sudden there's this huge amount of food that needs to be digested before we go to bed. Yeah, it makes so much sense. I I feel like intermittent fasting can be right for some. Just like you know, we're all mm-hmm. bio individuals. There's people that can thrive on different types of you know yes. nutrition plans. But you're right with PCOS. I've also seen that in my practice that those that have PCOS do better with what I call PFC every three. And I'm just, I try to teach <laughs> them, yeah, combine protein, fat, and carbs and eat every three hours. And so it really makes a difference. It helps to balance their blood sugar. It helps to mm-hmm. give them the energy that they need. It's easier on their digestion because we know gut health is so, so connected to PCOS. So all of this makes so much sense. So thank you for sharing all of that. I love that. So is there anything that, are there like certain foods or anything like that, that you tell your patients um, or your clients to avoid? That's a really good question. And I think, you know, there's some things that preferably somebody's not eating every single day at all of their meals. However, restriction does not work. It doesn't work for anybody. No. Um, <laughs> we don't like it. Exactly. And I tend to take more of like an intuitive eating or mindful nutrition sort of approach. Um, and what that means is, hey, listening to your body. So mm-hmm. let's say, you know, sweets. Sweets are something we quote unquote should not eat. If you're craving it, the only way to get rid of that craving is going to be to have it. Maybe that means we add some protein, some fat, or some fiber to prevent a blood sugar spike when you do have it. But I still want you to have it right? right. <laughs> with no restrictions. And if that means for like a month straight, you're going to be craving this thing because you're finally allowed to have it, do it. And don't feel bad about it because it's what you need to start to heal your relationship with food. 
I agree full fully with that. I feel like like we have are teaching you to listen to your symptoms of like illness. You also mm-hmm. need to listen to your cravings. Our body's so smart. It has this language. It's trying to speak to us. If you're craving something sweet, there's most likely a need for extra uh, extra carbohydrates. So I usually recommend um, to start with fruits or roots, <laughs> root vegetables first. And then if that's not satisfying it, go for it. Have that cookie, whatever it is you need to know, because it's more than just the things you're putting in your mouth. It's the thought processes, the mindset behind it. It's all of that that's going to lead to overall health. Definitely. And I think that, well, not just I think, studies show that those that people that experience a lot of cravings and even bleeding into like um, binge eating and emotional eating and just disordered eating in general, um, they tend to be people that are A, restricting and B, are not eating either A, frequently enough or B, enough, like mm-hmm. enough calories, enough energy, enough carbohydrates. And carbohydrates have been so demonized, but they're so necessary for satisfaction, for quick energy, like, and it also helps drive protein into our cells so that we can build muscle. So there's just, of course, so many wonderful things about carbohydrates that I could go on about forever. Um, but yeah, I mean, if somebody is having a craving, first, of course, like let's address the root cause of that. Is it not eating enough, not eating frequently enough? And then once that's addressed and we know that somebody is well nourished, absolutely go for that food. Make it balanced if you can, but don't feel bad if you can't. Perfectly said. Thank you so much. Girls, I just feel like, yeah, exactly what Felice is saying. We're not going to demonize any food. We need to look at food as nourishment and as more balance that we can get you know, in our diet, the better we're going to feel, the better our body's going to respond. So I love that. And I'm a huge fan of intuitive eating, but I think that there's a lot of confusion about what is intuitive eating, mm-hmm. right? There's just so much... Um, I mean, we have just been brainwashed to think that we have to like control all of our eating and mm-hmm. measure it and, you know, time it and, and all of these things. And here I'm saying, yeah, PFC every three. So that's partly playing into it. But the ideal is to just get so in tune with your body, right? And then it will tell you what it is that you need. So can you explain what is intuitive eating? How do you teach that to your clients? Yeah. So intuitive eating um, is the name of a, very um, well-studied and kind of like an older, the original mindful eating modality. It's a philosophy that was developed by a couple of dietitians, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush. And there's so many resources out there to help with the intuitive eating journey. So it's a type of mindful eating essentially. And the way that I use it with patients is... um, you know, whatever seems to be coming up with the patient, let's say there seems to be um, a lot of focus on like weight or um, tenets from diet culture or um, issues identifying hunger and fullness. Those are all things that I would work on sort of piecemeal as they come up. But at Alara, we also have a mindful nutrition course. And it's this nine-week course that both our patients can enroll in and um, anybody from the public. Um, and we really work through kind of an adapted intuitive eating, really thinking about um, how all of those tenets of the original philosophy intersect with PCOS and how each of those like practices, each of those um, pillars can be implemented for just general hormone health. Um, yes. So it's really, it's really organized. And I think it's really important to identify that intuitive eating or mindful eating isn't just 
eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full. There's so much that goes into what we eat, why we eat, the social impacts of food, and just in general, like healing our relationship with food. Um, And of course, understanding and trusting our body above all else, building that connection first, and then sort of like the final principle in both intuitive eating and the way that I teach mindful eating is then looking at the science, then looking at everything else that we know about what helps PCOS, um, what might improve insulin resistance, and then applying it but recognizing nobody else lives in our body. Nobody else knows what works for us as individuals. Most oftentimes, for example, it's like eating small frequent meals, but there's always going to be a one-off person that feels better on intermittent fasting. So taking everything that we know about our body and then everything that we know about science and marrying it and finding the balance that works on the individual level. Yeah, well said. So you're basically saying we're the expert on us, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so trust that. Yes, I love that so much. Okay, so let's let's give this audience some like good, you know, take homes. Um, let's talk about what is is that we. If you were working one on one with us girls, um, what is it that Felice would? What kind of nutrition plan? What kind of things would she like try to create for you? Um, do you have like a certain like? strategy. I know it's going to be probably different with everybody. So it's hard to generalize. (laughs) I get that. Totally get that. But like, what is it that you, you usually start with? So I usually start with, as I mentioned, like the small frequent meals and for most people, it's like just eating four times per day. Let's start with that. Let's see how you feel and let's sort of fill in the blanks and adapt from there to eventually get ideally towards six meals per day, six meals and snacks. However, We want to split it up however it works for the individual. And then um, I like to refer a lot to like the PCOS plate. Yeah, (laughs) let's hear about that. (laughs) And it's very similar to like the my plate or what's, you know, just generally taught as a balanced plate. Um, And if you want a visual, feel free to go onto the Alara blog. We have tons of articles that refer to it. Um, but generally it starts with about one half of your plate made up of vegetables, fruits, um, like those non-starchy plant foods that are full of micronutrients or vitamins, our minerals, antioxidants, all of those things. Um, and of course, fiber and those nutrients help with digestion. They help fight inflammation. They make sure we don't have micronutrient deficiencies, all of that great stuff. And then one quarter of our plate or so, protein foods. So that could be nuts, seeds, beans, meats, eggs, fish, seafood, anything that your belly desires. (laughs) (laughs) And it really doesn't need to exceed a quarter of the plate, which for many people is less protein than they think they should be having. Um, But of course, this gives us protein for our muscles, amino acids for all of these different functions and structures in our bodies. Um, And protein foods have, you know, B vitamins and sometimes magnesium, iron, zinc, those sorts of things that everybody needs. Then the final quarter of the plate is starches or um, grains. And for some people, um, I would recommend more whole grains. You know, people that have more insulin resistance, I want to make sure we're giving plenty of fiber so there's no blood sugar spike. But for the average person, if at least one half of the time your grains are whole grains, so that'd be brown rice instead of white rice, whole wheat bread instead of white bread, 
that's typically enough fiber because we're getting half our plate fiber otherwise. And this is so important to A, help drive all of those nutrients into our cells. That's one of the functions of um, insulin, which is released when we have carbohydrates and to a lesser extent when we have proteins. And um, helps us feel satisfied after meals. Help us helps us feel energized after meals. And um, just generally, like most people's bodies feel better when they have some carbohydrates in there. And then somewhere on the plate, whether it's cooking your protein um, in oils or dressing your veggies in oils, there should be some fats. It could be a liquid oil, like I love extra virgin olive oil, avocado oil, walnut oil. Or it could be a really like oily, fatty food, like nuts, seeds, fatty fish, avocado, those sorts of things. And then <laughs> you really it. got me on like a I giant- love it. I'm just letting you go. Yes. <laughs> and then the final piece here, and this is oftentimes like one of the most surprising for people, is that at least three times per day, I recommend incorporating either full fat or whole milk dairy. And for those of you who could not tolerate dairy, um, I would recommend fortified oat or soy alternatives since they are most micronutrient and macronutriently comparable to milk. And there's a couple of reasons that I recommend having dairy products. One is because they're really important to bone health. That's you know what everybody's already aware of. The phosphorus and the calcium and the vitamin D all keep our bones really strong, really healthy, especially as we age. And osteoporosis is such a huge problem um, in women as we age. And then sort of the other piece here is that the fatty portion of milk contains some estrogen that those with PCOS seem to actually use in their body to help balance out testosterone. But the moment that you skim milk, um, meaning take take away the fat from milk, the remaining portions of milk um, contain more testosterone actually, which can exacerbate the elevated testosterone already in PCOS. Interestingly, this doesn't seem to affect things in like men or people without PCOS. Right. Um, but it seems to be have a huge impact. And people that eat about three servings of dairy or more per day tend to increase up to se- increase their fertility by up to 70%. They also have significantly reduced insulin resistance and just generally seem to have better bone density um, and greater general health. Yeah, interesting. You know, you hear different things. And um, so when you are saying dairy, are you at, are you talking about like raw? Unpasteurized. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> so typically pasteurization doesn't seem to damage like milk or dairy products too much. And certainly for anybody who's immunocompromised or pregnant, 100% of the time, please stick to <laughs> pasteurized <laughs> dairy. For other people, you know, um, you're welcome to explore uh, either option. But I really mean any sort of dairy product. So it could be something as simple as milk. It could be yogurt, kefir, um, cheese, and basically any yeah any animal product from like a goat, a sheep, a cow, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever tickles your fancy. Um, and also, some people that think they have lactose intolerance tend to tolerate sheep or goats milk dairy a little bit better. Um, I always recommend if you think you have lactose intolerance to try that because 
they still have lactose, but um, it's a different protein in their milk. Instead of A1 protein, it's A2. There's also A2 milk that you might see on the shelves. And sometimes it's a sensitivity to the protein rather than the um, sugar, the lactose that affects people. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I would just add that, you know, from my standpoint, because I'm always working with women to try to balance their hormones, just be really careful where your dairy is sourced from. Make sure Mm. that you're looking for grass fed cows that are providing the milk and same thing with goats and sheep and all of that. We just want to make sure that we're not ingesting um, excess hormones that we don't need, you know, all of that. That's what's put in there, you know, a lot of antibiotics and things like that that can then go into our body and create more havoc. So, so yeah, I feel like I, um, I, I do well with goat milk. I, mm-hmm. I prefer that with cheese. Um, there's certain types of dairy, like cow cheeses that I do great with some that I don't do great with. And I feel <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like you just kind of have to experiment and mm-hmm. just listen again. Like after you do try dairy, um, pay attention to the symptoms. You might notice that if there is a sensitivity, you might notice some different symptoms that show up. It could be stomach upset. It could be even a rash. It could be some flumminess. It could be things like that. And so if that's the case, just kind of experiment, maybe um, cut back a little bit, see if that helps reduce some of the symptoms. But if you're fine, go for it because it's another way for us to nourish our bodies and give our bodies, especially those of you that have PCOS, the nutrients that you need. Now, I do have a question, Felice. I know that you're saying like there, it can be a source of estrogen. Um, it can be a source of testosterone too. And obviously we're not wanting excess testosterone, but we also have a lot of women with PCOS that do have high levels of estrogen and our mm-hmm. estrogen dominant, dominant as well. Is this a concern of yours? Uh, um, yes, it'd be a concern if somebody had estrogen dominance, yes. but not in terms of dairy. Um, right. I, I try and be careful when I, you know, speak about um, the roles of the estrogen and testosterone in dairy. And sometimes I, of course, do not use precision of language, but it more so balances our estrogen and testosterone ratios more that more so than contributing to them. Good. Okay. So, yeah, if somebody has estrogen dominance, I'm not concerned about getting them the the full fat dairy. And one more thing that I did want to add, you you definitely listed some wonderful signs of intolerance. Um, but I've also, uh, studies have also shown that people that experience acne as like a primary PCOS so- symptom may be more sensitive to dairy. Like there seems to be an association with dairy and acne and PCOS. So that's the one case where like, if we're starting to increase your dairy intake and your acne is getting worse, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's try switching to soy or oat milk because it's still really important to get those bone building nutrients, the calcium, the phosphorus, the vitamin D, but animal dairy just might not work for you. And right. then additionally, if there's like any sort of moral issue, um, personally, like if somebody is vegetarian or vegan and does not want to have dairy products, I completely respect that. And it's nothing that we need. It can just help in certain cases. So I still want to make sure everybody gets their balance of nutrients. Absolutely. And I think we understand what you're saying for sure. And we appreciate all of that information. It's just that it is an option. That's what you're wanting everyone to understand. It can be a very healthy option for you if it does work with your body. But yes, there are lots of other um, dairy-free alternatives that are very Mm -hmm. healthy. There's lots of other foods that can provide all of the same nutrients that come from milk. It just is a great source. It comes, you know, with all, it comes with a big bang, right? Of lots of nutrients (laughs) in it. So it is, it is a great option. Um, I know that a lot of people that I work with and see, um, with PCOS, they're just so frustrated with some of the symptoms and, and you've kind of mentioned acne. That's one of the big ones Mm -hmm. that they really, and you know, it's hard for them because it's, um, 
it's so debilitating. And last week we talked on our podcast all about hormonal acne. So mm-hmm. girls, if that's something that you're dealing with, you know, you can go back and listen to that um, episode. But I wonder if Lisa, you have anything to share about, I know you already did say like, let's maybe remove the dairy and see if that helps. But is there anything mm-hmm. else that you also recommend to help girls that are dealing with acne? With acne in particular, I mean, it can be very difficult to pinpoint exactly what the issue is. Um, If their acne is also, there's like other rashes and skin conditions that we're seeing as well. Rashes in general can be um, a sign of an allergy. And I never recommend like the online allergy testing just because it's (laughs) not super accurate or even like blood testing in general. I don't love to determine allergies the best thing to do is go to an allergist, a doctor, um, and get the um, allergies like skin prick panel for whatever you think might be helping you or hurt causing your symptoms. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be like the most accurate and reliable way to determine if you're actually allergic to something. So the skin test. Okay. Um, So that's one huge tip. If you're acne and skin concerns, definitely that's what I would do. Um, Other thing to keep in mind is be... B12 and B vitamins in general, when we over supplement with them, which they're a very common supplement for like hair, skin, and nails, it actually can contribute to to acne and skin concerns in general. Um, Uneven rough texture, acne, those sorts of things. So take a step back, reevaluate your supplement panel. If you have access to a doctor who can order like B B vitamin levels, definitely do that. Um, And of course, work with a nutritionist or a dietitian that can help you navigate all those things because there's a lot to consider. Yeah, um, for sure. It's, an- it's nice to always have those tests, right? Then you're not Definitely. having to guess and see you know, what it is that might be causing it. But yeah, great tip. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries at all. Um, so that's, that's another one I like to keep in mind. And then generally all those things that come along with a balanced diet, we want to make sure we're including here. So getting enough water, is of course wonderful for our skin. You can literally see how hydrated you are with your complexion and um, how your skin appears. And also getting plenty of those like fruits and vegetables with vibrant colors, colors associated with antioxidants and antioxidants help fight inflammation in the body. And acne, of course, is the result of inflammatory processes in the skin and in the body in general. So you know, those berries and dark leafy greens. Um, and basically, yeah, any colorful fruit or vegetable I would I would highly recommend. Um, and then lastly, green tea has been shown to improve uh, acne. Spearmint tea helps to improve PCOS and sometimes acne as well. Um, dark chocolate, also another very high anti-inflammatory food, high antioxidant food. Um, so in general, just lots of anti-inflammatory and antioxidant-rich foods. Yes. Fill your plates, girls, with the rainbow. That's exactly. It's going (laughs) to help your skin. It's going to help all the inflammation inside as well, because anytime we have acne, it's usually a sign that there's inflammation going on inside. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I know I've kept you for a long time, but I just have one more. (laughs) I just want to pick your brain a little bit more. No worries. The other main like complaint that a lot of um, girls are coming to me with is, their weight and their mm-hmm. weight loss resistance. Is there mm-hmm. anything that you share with them to help guide them through that and how to deal that with that? Yeah. So when it comes to weight, definitely like so many patients, I would say 95% of my patients come to me concerned with their weight and 
either weight gain, weight instability. And I think that it's first really important to recognize that there's no way for me looking at somebody to determine whether what their healthy weight is, Mm -hmm. like what would be an appropriate weight, or um, whether or not they are healthy because of their weight. Like weight, just like everything else, is a symptom. It didn't cause your PCOS. Weight loss is not going to cure it either. But as I said, weight can be a symptom of things. So if we're, you know, moving more, sleeping better, reducing stress, eating well, all of those things, weight typically decreases. Um, but I would never like put somebody on like a calorie restricted diet or any sort of diet that's intentionally trying to increase um, calories expended and decrease the calories that we're getting in. Yes, that's the only way to lose weight in the short term, but we know that like diets don't work. Right. And um, diets are also the number one predictor of weight gain and another huge predictor for disordered eating, which affects about 60% of people with PCOS. Yeah, which is understandable because like the acne, the weight, it's visible. It's something that Mm -hmm. you deal with and see. And it's, you know, it's something that can be very frustrating. But I love, I love everything you just shared with us, Felice, because it's so important. When we take these huge extreme measures, we're actually exacerbating the problem. Mm -hmm. So, and I love how you shared that weight is a symptom in and of itself. And so if we can stop hyper-focusing on the scale, right? Scale doesn't tell us much anyways, right? But start (laughs) focusing on the the things that you're doing and how you're feeling your own energy levels, how well you're sleeping, you know, all of those things are going to be a better measurement of your actual health. And I have seen it too. I've seen it personally. Mm-hmm. I've seen it with my you know clients that I've worked with when they do get some of these other things um, balanced, the nourishment that they're putting on their plate and also the nourishment that they're surrounding themselves in their environment, the weight tends to just more easily um, kind of just come off on its own, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing that I love to teach um, women a lot about is how important it is to don't always make it like something hard, like work with Mm -hmm. your body, work with your hormones. You know, we, we talk a lot about the four different phases of our monthly cycle and, and how important it is to take an approach, you know, where during each of those phases that you're nourishing yourself and that you're not overextending or, you know, expending energy, all of this. So I feel like it goes hand in hand kind of with what you just shared. Definitely. And I mean, I can speak from firsthand here. One of the first and most obvious and distressing symptoms of my PCOS was weight gain. I gained, I don't know, like 40 or 50 pounds in a year. I was like in the fourth year of my nutrition program, my undergraduate studies. I clearly knew like basically Mm -hmm. all there was to know about a generally healthy diet and movement and nothing had changed in my life. Um, You know, a few things I think maybe had had triggered triggered or catalyzed this sort of like chain reaction that, you know, um, brought my PCOS to the surface. (laughs) But weight gain was like clearly a, a major symptom for me. And it was certainly very distressing and a lot for me to grapple with as somebody that was like going to be entering the field of nutrition as my career. Like mm-hmm. one of the first fears that I had was like, who's going to trust the fat dietitian? Right. So it's, it's, it's incredibly distressing. And, um, you know, I can certainly relate to that, but we know that people with PCOS tend to have higher weights. It does not mean that they are less healthy. Um, we know that people with PCOS also tend to have denser bones and higher muscle mass and also, yes, higher fat mass. But it just seems to be part of this genetic picture, this predisposition 
um, that our DNA is kind of deciding for us. And then again, we are sensitive people. We're more Mm -hmm. sensitive to our environment, to changes in our life or in our lifestyle. Um, And I think that focusing on the scale and focusing on weight can be, um, can kind of take our eye off the prize when it comes to making actually helpful lifestyle change. It's, you know, certainly something that it's okay to track. You aren't a bad person if you're looking at your weight or want to lose weight, but it can sometimes cloud our vision and prevent us from listening to those things that you mentioned. Like, how do I feel? How is my sleep? How are my energy levels? Can I get through a workout? Like, those mm-hmm. are all much more important than your weight, 1000%. Yes. Oh, we've learned so much from you today, Felice. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your wisdom. I look forward for these girls to be able to kind of connect with you. We're going to link all of your, you know, your Instagram, your website, all of the ways <laughs> that they can find you and connect with you because I feel like you're a wealth of knowledge. I also feel like you're somebody that, um, you relate, you're relatable, you relate to the people oh, that you're you. working with. And that means a lot, you know, it's, it's an uncomfortable thing. It's sometimes intimidating to go and work with a nutritionist or a dietitian um, because sometimes it can feel very clinical, but when you know the person, the heart behind the person that you're working with, it can make a big difference. So thank you so much for joining the It's Her Time podcast today. We appreciate everything that you shared. Oh, it's been my pleasure. And thank you for all of your kind words. Yes. All right, girls. Well, thank you. I hope you learned a lot. Um, If you have any questions, of course, you can reach out to us on our DMs at Mixers um, on Instagram. You can also email us. Information is in the show notes. As you know, we come on every Tuesday. There's a new episode and we love it when you guys tune in. And we especially love it when you share these episodes with the girls in your life because sharing is caring. So we can't wait to see you uh, next Tuesday for another great episode. Until then, have a very happy and healthy week. Bye-bye.